Hello, everybody. My name is B. Bonner, and you're listening to Community Voices right here on NPR Illinois. And today I am talking to Bridget Franzen about her life and her new book, Half Pigs Will Travel. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Yes, it's been so long since I've seen you. I feel like the last time I saw you was way before the pandemic. I'm sure you're right, yes. <laughs> well, hopefully everything has been going well, and I was so excited to hear that you have decided to write a book about your life and your experiences. So we'll talk more about that today. But First Terrell Community Voices, we want to get to know you a little bit. So you are not from Central Illinois. You are from Germany. So tell us about your life there a little bit. Well, I grew up in Germany, and my dad moved a lot with his job as a company rep. Of course, we moved with him, the whole family moved. So I was used to not really having any roots. My dad also traveled with his job. He traveled overseas. And I never really got the memo that girls don't do this. (laughs) So when I graduated from college, or actually while I was still in college, I had to do internships as a graduation requirement. And I thought spending some time overseas sounded interesting and it would look good on my resume. Mm -hmm. So I came over here once as a student and then came back after I graduated. Wow, wow. So I want to talk more about that internship and everything like that. But I think a big part of your story, too, is your love for animals and farming and all of that. So did that start back in Germany? Where did that start? Yes, I wanted to become a large animal veterinarian. And when that did not work out, I majored in animal science Mm -hmm. and eventually figured out there's not a whole lot of difference. You still care for the animals. The biggest difference was when a call came in at 2 in the morning, those were my animals (laughs) that I had to get up for. Yeah. (laughs) A lot more responsibility. Yes. Well, I think it's so interesting, your life and your story, how you ended up here. So I want to hear more about the internship. You said that you had this with like a Midwestern family that had a farm, a livestock farm. So how did you find out about the internship? Was this a family you already knew? No, I didn't know anyone over here. I knew a woman in Germany who had lived in central Illinois for a number of years. And she had been friends with a local large animal veterinarian and his wife. When she came back to Germany, I asked her if she could help me find a placement. And the veterinarian stepped up and said, oh, yes, I know just the place. (laughs) And it was off to the races. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us about the internship a little bit. What were you doing? It was really interesting, and everything was new and unfamiliar, but they were welcoming, and I think they had as much fun as I did. You know, everything was new, starting from the farm dogs. I had never seen a blue healer before. Smart dogs, including, you know, the family meals. They had hogs and they had cattle, so they were fond of of the beef and pork they produced. Yeah. And prior to coming here, I had never experienced a steak. Wow. Okay, so what were your first impressions then? I was impressed. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't take long to learn to like that. Right, right, right. What were some of your responsibilities on the farm? Well, the first few days, I just tagged along. I tried not to get in the way. And I had worked on, on a hog farm before. In Germany. So once I became familiar with the routine on the farm, then they would assign me 
chores. And I would work with cattle one day, work with hogs one day, and do whatever. You know, mm-hmm. drive a tractor and haul feed and do whatever I needed to do. And it became apparent that cattle were more popular than hogs. They were more prestigious, mm. which is important to teenage sons. <laughs> And the hogs were begging for attention, so I didn't mind hogs. You get over the smell after about 10 minutes or so. <laughs> so, yes, I liked working with them, and my, my employer decided that he was satisfied with the work, and the sows ended up raising bitter, bigger litters mm-hmm. because they got more steady care, and they were not an afterthought. And as part of my internship, I had to collect material to write my master's thesis. And uh, over time, that became a business plan for this farm. Mm. And I showed how he could vastly increase production without putting up additional buildings. And the farmer took one look at that and said, oh, yeah, you think he can do all that? Come back and show me. (laughs) He got the job. I got the job. And the economy was sour at the time, and most graduates didn't have jobs. Mm -hmm. I had one more year to go in college, but I had a job lined up, much to the displeasure of his sons and wife, because I was being critical of the farm, and, you know, that's just not polite. (laughs) Well, somebody has to. (laughs) Well, yeah, and how can you recommend improvements if you say everything is perfect? Right. So you went back to Germany to do your last year of college. Right. Okay, and then you came back here. Right. So what was that transition like? Well, at that time, I had no idea that I was going to stay. I thought I'd put in a few years, then possibly work for the Foreign Service or become an international ag consultant or something along those lines. I knew I could not go back to Germany and start a farm because it was too expensive too densely populated, you always, especially with hogs, you, there are noise complaints, odor complaints. Mm. So that, that was not an option. Over time, I grew roots and I made friends and here we are, I'm still here. Well, I'm also wondering, as a woman, and for a lot of women, I'm gonna just say as a city girl, when I hear the word farm and when you talk about pigs and cattle and this sort of thing, it kind of scares me because I feel like I can't do it. This is something I can't do by myself. But you were able to do it and really just become a businesswoman and develop your own hog farm and really be successful here. So what is it like for women in the farming industry from your perspective? It's a bigger challenge, but... It can be done. I also had enough people who believed in me and uh, supported me along the way that I was always able to do one more step and one more year or one more month or you know whatever my next project was. Two or three people may turn me down, but then someone shows up and says, I heard you needed help. Mm. You know, whether that was a carpenter or it was whatever. And back then, you know, in the early 80s, things were not as progressive as they are now. Women could not have their own credit cards Mm. unless husband signed the application. Sure, in Chicago or in New York, there were probably women who had enough earned income to qualify for a credit card. But here in the Midwest, it was highly unusual. That also meant if the husband passed away or they got a divorce, there was no more credit card. 
So there were challenges like that or having to build a credit history because I was brand new in the country. Right. Well, if, if you don't have the cash, then they're not loaning you any money either. So how do you build your credit history? And where I came from, if you didn't have the money, you didn't spend it. So you saved up until you could pay cash. That does not build your credit history. Right. So that took some doing. And the employer helped wherever he could. For instance, he would go into the appliance store with me and say, she works for me, she earns a steady income, she needs a credit history. She has the cash to buy this freezer that she wants. Sell it to her in three installments. They said, okay. (laughs) (laughs) They listened. (laughs) They did. Well, you seem to have been able to overcome a lot of different challenges, not only as a woman in that industry, but also as an immigrant. You just spoke to a lot of the challenges. How did you stay positive? I'm not sure if anybody else could have gone through the things you did and been able to be successful. It was a combination of things. The veterinarian's wife, they didn't have any kids. The way she explained it is that they always helped other people raise theirs. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she tucked me under her wing like a mother hen from day one. So there was always somebody there to to prop me up if, if I had a bad day. And it is a very German area north of Springfield. And I I kept saying, if I take the local phone book and open it up, it looks like I'm back in Germany. There's all these German (laughs) names in here. Now, nobody spoke German anymore. It would always go back to grandma and grandpa. But they were rather fond of, of the German heritage. So, you know, a lot of things fell into place. In the back of my mind, I wasn't going to stay. And then I did. So what keeps you here then? The freedom, the independence to do what I want, the wide open spaces. I know they're wider and opener if you go farther west, Mm -hmm. and that's impressive all by itself. But compared to where I came from, living in town or at the edge of town, and the next town is maybe five miles over, and it's all densely populated, to be able to just get in the car and drive and just keep on driving and, and take in the scenery, that, that was a new experience. And I could do so many things that I knew how to do, but I didn't have much opportunity to do. I knew how to drive a tractor. Mm. Well, now it was like, oh, take this tractor, go over there to the back 80 and do whatever. Okay. And then I could disc the field or do other field work, whatever you needed done. And I would have classical music on the radio in the cab, and you see the the morning mist rising, and, and you smell the, the freshly turned earth. There are a few things that are better than that. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like you really came here and really just fell in love with the whole concept and just really appreciated your surroundings, so I that's did. great. And still do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you've also, to me, you talked about, and I, I've read your website, and by the way, we'll give that information later, but I saw on there that the farming industry started to take a turn, and then you had to transition to a whole new field. So can you talk about that a little bit and how you kind of stayed on track? That was hard. By that time, I had built my own farm. I was no longer working for a farmer. And I had 20 years' worth of genetics in the herd that I had carefully developed. And the same thing that happened to me happened to almost all small 
family farms at the time. Mm -hmm. The small hog farms and the small cattle farms all went out of business at roughly the same time. In the late 1990s, when the mega hog farms took over, the factory farms, and when the industry became fully vertically integrated, meaning that packing companies, slaughterhouses, owned the production from the breeding barn through the processing clear to the consumer's dinner plate. Mm -hmm. So they didn't care where they made their money. If they made their money on the live animals or on, on the meat in the store, they were okay either way. But they were able to pay farmers eight cents a pound for live animals when it cost 45 cents a pound to produce them. And that's how all of us went out of business. It didn't matter how good you were, how healthy your animals were. There was nothing to be done about it. Mm. So how did you figure out what to do next? That severely affected my health. And I knew I could no longer get health insurance on my own. That was long before Obamacare. Mm -hmm. So I needed a job with health insurance. I needed a job with benefits. Didn't care much what it was. At the time, you know, I have since learned to like my new job, too. <laughs> but at the time, I, I was just beaten down. So I, I had to sit down with, with a piece of paper and, and do the famous thing that everybody does when they change jobs. You, know, you draw a line down the middle and say, what am I good at? What do I absolutely hate? <laughs> the pros and cons of, of anything I considered. I knew I was not offering my services to any of the mega hog farms. That was not going to happen. I knew I was decent at running a business, and I was good with numbers. And I had been selling my breeding stock. Some of them went to market, but most of my animals went to other farms as breeding stock. And just through a series of coincidences, I ended up getting licensed as an investment advisor and eventually was proud of the business that I had run before. So when I met new clients or potential clients, and they asked me, what did you do before? I very proudly told them I owned and operated a hog farm. Yes. <laughs> and you could see the, the shock and the dismay on their faces. It was like, you've done what before? <laughs> you want me to give you my money to invest? <laughs> Are you out of your mind? <laughs> so I thought they had a point. And I thought they, I owed it to them to learn as much about my new job as I possibly could. So I became a certified financial planner and that changed everything. I went from twisting my toe in the sand saying, I'm the newly licensed advisor, would you meet with me? I said, no, <laughs> to I'm the certified financial planner. I'm here to provide service. Oh, come on in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I think you found a way to turn it around, make it absolutely positive. Yes. And I know you've done well in that industry. So that, that just speaks to your whole story, which mm -hmm. we'll get to next. But if you're just now tuning in, you are listening to Community Voices on NPR Illinois. And I am B Bonner, co-host and editor. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Bridget Franzen about her life and her new book, Have Pigs Will Travel. And so far we've been talking about Bridget's journey from Germany to coming to the United States and having an internship and successfully having a hog farm and then transitioning to a new career. And now you are an author. So what made you want to write about your life? I had thought about it for many years. I started and I stopped and I started and I stopped again. 
because I thought it was just an interesting story, and I like reading stories like that myself, mm-hmm. biographies or stories of, of unlikely women having done unlikely things. Mm-hmm. And I finally decided with pandemic and all, sitting home having plenty of time, if I don't do it now, when, when will I do it? So I finally sat down and, and wrote the manuscript, and that's been an experience. <laughs> I also thought once the manuscript is finished, I thought I was done. The book would then find a literary agent, and we'll find a publisher, and we're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. <laughs> I have since started working with a coach, and that has been a great experience. That's, that's like getting some guidance on what I need to do to hopefully improve my chances of getting it published. Yeah. So maybe that will happen in 2024. We'll see. (laughs) Well, we're crossing our fingers. But you referenced going back and looking at your experiences in order to write. What was that feeling like? How are you feeling having looked back at your life to document it for others to read? It was a trip down memory lane. It was also an experience in different writing styles. My own comfort zone is to write as precisely and tersely as possible. (laughs) You know, having done a master's thesis and having done reports and all that, that's not what people want to read when they read for pleasure. Mm -hmm. So part of, of the coaching that I received was, we want more. Go back and expand on the story. We want more stories. I said, okay, (laughs) that's good, but we want more stories. (laughs) And I said, well... If, if this gets so full of anecdotes that I'm losing track of where I'm going, will people's eyes not cross it and they say, where we're going with this? And the coach says, I'm not there yet. I'll let you know when I'm there. <laughs> Go back and write more. <laughs> so like I said, it's, it's been a really good experience. Well, that's good. And I will say, I'm I'm with your coach on this. You have so many stories to tell and share. And I am just in awe just listening to you talk about your life. And for me, I love reading. I love reading so much. But I think when people share their stories and you can relate, it really brings something to people and people can get something out of it. So what are you hoping that people get when they read your story? What are you hoping the feeling is when somebody sits down, they open your book? What do you want them to feel? I'm hoping to share encouragement. Don't let anyone tell you that you cannot do what you want to do. Even if it looks like it's a great distance between where I am today and to where I'm hoping to go, one day at a time, one step at a time, I didn't know what the end story was going to be. If someone had told me on day one that I would be able to combine both experiences, the financial planning and the farming, and end up being an estate planner for farmers, I think I would have fainted. (laughs) That would have been so far out of reach. And one day at a time, one step at a time, it's a logical conclusion, and you eventually get there. And if somebody tells you you can't do it and says, oh, yeah, says who? Well, let's, let's see if maybe I can do it. That's so important, especially in the time we're living in now. I feel like so many people get what I call imposter syndrome, and they feel like they can't do anything. But people need to hear stories. So when you're out in the community and you're speaking to people about your life, what are some things that you're hearing from people at conferences or people at speaking engagements you're going to? Are they really catching on to this idea that they can do it? Or do you have to almost shake them to get them to believe it? (laughs) That's a good question. 
some of each, I would say. I'm not doing this to put anyone in awe. I want to encourage people, especially young women, mm -hmm. to follow their dreams. And I know how, how this sounds. Mm -hmm. I know there are things like student loans, and there's always something that gets in the way. But if, if you cannot go a straight line, take a detour, take a second detour. Mm -hmm. Eventually, you will get to where you want to go if it's important enough. And I like how you've used your life as an example for others because at every turn you had, like you said, you took a detour, you took a different route, and now you've ended up here very successful and willing to t share your story. And I think that's important too. You're willing to share this story. Some people, it's like pulling teeth to get them to share their story. But the fact that you are willing to sit down, write a book, share with others, speak to others, I think that is so important. So Bridget, we're almost out of time here. This time goes by so fast but I'm so excited for the book to come out soon and we're gonna cross our fingers for 2024 but I'm wondering and this is a personal question for me do you still have animals are you still taking care of animals I know you have a cat but any horses or anything I used to have horses but then I could not bear staying on the farmstead and looking at empty buildings knowing what used to be there so I found new homes for the horses Aww. they became companion animals to to other horses and then I moved into town. So right now, and for as far out as I can see, it's going to be the cat and me. <laughs> and he's a nice owner. Yeah. <laughs> we, we just do things the way Leo wants them done, and then we're all happy. Well, isn't that how it should be? Of course. Of course. <laughs> well, I really enjoyed that. I remember when I first met you and you were talking about the horses and everything. So I thought today, let me ask about the horses. But that is amazing. They bring the therapy dogs and the therapy ponies to campus sometimes. And they even tell us the therapy horses have a companion. And I'm like, what? That is so crazy. Well, they're herd animals. Mm -hmm. So it has to be at least a herd of two. And it doesn't have to be another horse, another donkey will be good enough, or sometimes a goat, but they cannot be alone. That, then they're unhappy. You might need to get into teaching and <laughs> start teaching people about these things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish you all the best again in getting this book published, getting it out in the community. Maybe you can host a book signing soon around the bookstores in Springfield. We love our local authors, so I'm just so proud to know you and to be able to share your story. But if people want to keep up with you, figure out when the book is coming out, and just learn more about your life, where can they go? They can go on my website. I try to keep it updated. It is BridgetFranson.com, but be mindful of the spelling. It's B-R-I-G-I-T-T-E-F-R-A-N-Z-E-N.com. Awesome, awesome. Again, Bridget Franzen, thank you for joining me today on Community Voices. Community Voices is brought to you by NPR Illinois and the Community Voices team. Listen to Community Voices weekdays at noon and 10 p.m. and Saturdays at 5 p.m. Thanks for listening.